Welcome back to A Daughter's Dilemma Podcast, where we talk about the interactions between mothers and daughters and everything in between. My name is Nefra, the mother. And I'm Rodnika, the daughter. And today we have another true crime episode. Okay. So, Mom, I want to start by posing you a question. Okay. okay? So, I want to start by asking... How far do you think you would go to protect or avenge your child? You know what? I don't know. To be honest, um, I'd like to think I'd move heaven and earth. Scorch the earth Mm -hmm. for my daughter, for my son. Um, Yeah, you know what? You know, to be honest, I don't know. I don't think any mother knows that until she's faced with it. Like, you don't know what can come out of you until it has to come out of you. Understandable. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Okay, so we all know the famous movie Taken. Right. With Liam Neeson. In that movie, he is a man with a certain set of skills who is ready to take down anyone to get his daughter back. Exactly. Yes, that's an excellent movie. I love Liam Neeson. You like him? He's cool. I recently, okay, this is so off topic, but I recently uh-huh. saw a thread. It was a thread on BuzzFeed, and it was a thread on Twitter, and it was a thread on Reddit. Uh-huh. And it's this theory that Liam Neeson just pees his pants. What? So there's, like, a compilation of pictures of him where he's, like, taking pictures with fans, or he's just out getting coffee, or he's just on set, and his pants are wet. I don't know if he just... I don't know if there's an issue there. I don't know what that is, but that's interesting. Maybe his genitalia is just so huge. Okay. It sweats. (laughs) That's a lot of sweat. That's a lot of sweat. But I've never seen that. Really? No. I'll have to show you that later. Okay. Show (laughs) me that later. I've never seen that. Okay. Okay. So today I have a story that is very, very similar to the plot point of Taken. Okay. Um, So this story sadly doesn't have the same happy ending, but it is more so extraordinary because it happened in real life. Okay. 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 So I'm going to take you to the city of San Fernando in the state of Tamaulipas in the the country of Mexico. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Um, In... 2010, the San Fernando Massacre, also known as the First Massacre of San Fernando, was the mass murder of 72 undocumented immigrants by the Los Zetos drug cartel in the municipality of San Fernando. The 72 killed, 58 men and 14 women were mainly from Central and South America. They were shot in the back of the head and then they were piled up together. The bodies were found inside of a ranch on August 24th of 2010 by the Mexican military after they engaged in armed confrontation with members of the drug cartel. Okay. Uh, They had received information from an Ecuadorian who survived being shot in the neck and the face. He then faked his own death to get away. He got out of the ranch and to a military checkout to ask for help. Okay. Um, there were only three survivors of this entire massacre. Okay. 
Really? And investigators later mentioned that the massacre was a result of immigrants' refusal to work for the Los Zetos or provide money for their release. So in this area of Mexico, it is very, very, very common for kidnappings to happen. Kidnap for ransom, kidnap for slavery, for smuggling. Um, It's really, really bad. The... They have this on the U.S. De- U.S. Department of State okay. as a Mexico travel advisory. Do not dra- do not travel due to crime and kidnapping, organized crime activity including gun battles, murder, armed robbery, carjacking, kidnapping, forced disappearances, extortion, and sexual assault is common along the northern northern border and in Ciudad Ciudad Victoria. Which is the capital, I believe. I could of be. Mexico? Of Tamaulipas. 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 Okay. Tamaulipas is a state inside of Mexico. Tamaulipas, people, listen up. Don't <laughs> you go there. Do not go there. If, if Look, if you want to look. Look, where are you? Look. If you want to commit suicide, go there. Whoa. But if you're not <laughs> trying to die... Tamalitas, let's know. Stay in Cancun. Stay in Cancun. <laughs> okay. <I'm weak. laughs> Stay in Cancun. Okay. Don't go all these other places. Oh wow, that's terrible. Oh. A travel advisory. A travel advisory. Wow. Now that's by the U.S., so you know you got to take it. With yeah, a of course, salt, because but... you know it's always over dramatized sometimes. You know, but you know what? So no, seventy-two people dying. I'm I'm good. Yeah, it I, gets worse. I, it, gets worse. it gets worse. It gets worse. Oh, yeah. So. Okay, so San Fernando is two hours away from the Mexico-Texas border. Because of this, there's high traffic of people smuggling drugs into the U.S. The city has been subject to drug violence and corruption for decades. In the 1990s, some politicians decided to enlist the cartel help in securing and maintaining their power. But those members of the cartel quickly moved into the political arena by demanding quotas in exchange for their work. So they had public works contracts, they had waterworks contracts, they had transit and municipal police contracts. So they were deeply, deeply embedded into the government. And taking tamalitas to hell in a handbasket while in the meantime. Um mm. so back to back to two thousand and ten. Okay. Um the Cartel started to split off into some separate factions. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the factions basically turned against their bosses and split off into the Zetas Cartel. Okay. Ever heard of them? Mm. Um, I don't want no smoke. I just want to say that right now. I am just reporting on what I read on the internet <laughs> and what I heard on some podcasts. And we're not saying that Catherine Zeta Jones <laughs> is part of the Zetas. <laughs> Okay. We're not saying we're not saying that. that. None of that. Don't no, we no will smoke. say it crossed our minds, but we're not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So the Mexican government then in 2010 tries to declare its own war on drugs, but by this time the cartel is so deeply embedded in the government that it's nearly impossible to sever connections. Wow. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, between 2010 and 2018, 250,000 murders and 37,000 disappearances were attributed to this war on crime. That's a whole 
state. By yourself. It really could. By, by yourself. It really could be. That's a quarter of a million people mm-hmm. dead. Gone. And it was well, actually over a quarter of a million people dead or missing. Mm-hmm. Never to be found again. <sighs> yeah. Tamalitas. <laughs> Tamalitas, Mexico, guys. We're going to remind you, do not go there. <laughs> don't vacation. Don't let your travel agent get you there. Okay, but you have to say it right. You don't want to offend people. What, what? Am I not saying it right? Tamalipas. Tamalipas. Okay. You can put an extra T in there. What was I was saying? Tamalipas. Tamalitas. 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 Tamalipas. There you go. Yeah, pus. With the pus at the end. Okay. <laughs> Weak. Okay. So, now that you get an idea of the area that we're in. Yes, yes. So, 54-year-old Miriam Rodriguez Martinez lives in San Fernando in Tamaulipas with her husband. She has three adult children, Louise, Azalea, and Karen. Okay. Miriam and her family owns a small cowboy apparel shop where she works as well as Karen. Miriam also works during the week as a live-in nanny. Her eldest son, Louise, has moved to the capital of Ciudad Victoria to open his own shop. And Azalea lives elsewhere in San Fernando in her own home. Okay. Um, Like I mentioned, Karen works at the Cowboy Apparel Shop. She goes to school. She lives at home with her parents. How old is she? 20. 20. Okay. Yes. Um, so on January 23rd of 2013, Karen is on her way home from the shop when she is about to merge into traffic. But before she can do that, her car is surrounded by a group of armed men who force their way into her truck and drive away with Karen. They go to the family home where no one else is home. They tie her up, they gag her, and they throw her on the living room floor. Then, to everyone's surprise, there's a knock at the door. It's the family mechanic here to work on the family truck. So the armed men panic and take the man along with Karen and leave the family home. But eventually they do let the mechanic go because he wasn't a part of what they were planning. So they say. Because why why they let him go? 250,000 people dead. 37,000 missing. Look. And... This is the most dangerous city to be in. Travel advisory from the United States. Well, they live there. And he let them go. They live there. Maybe he worked on one of their calls or something, so he just... There you go. Maybe he lies. was a, a pillar of no the sense. community. Maybe God shined on them. Okay. <sighs> okay. So when Miriam comes home and Karen isn't there, she hears from the mechanic what happened, and soon after, people start calling, threatening to harm Karen or other family members if they do not receive ransom money. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They go to the local bank, which has specialized loans that are specifically for making ransom payments. Mm-hmm. They drop off the money in the designated locations and follow the instructions to the T, but Taren, but Karen sorry, is never returned. A quote from the New York Times says, With every payment, a new hope sparkled for Mrs. Rodriguez, and with every failed bid to reclaim Karen, she fell further into despair. How much was the original payment? You don't say? Um, It doesn't say what the payments were. I do know that they did make several payments over a course of... I believe a, a year. year or so. Yeah. Wow. So they making these payments, mm-hmm. but she ain't coming back. No. 
Wow. So after months of back and forth with ransom requests and drop-offs, Miriam, with nothing left to lose, calls and requests a meeting with the Zetas to get Karen back. Okay. And to everyone's surprise, they agree. And so Miriam meets with a cartel member at a local restaurant called El Junior. In 2014, many of the bars and restaurants in San Fernando had closed due to fear of shootouts. So there weren't even a lot of places for them to... All you can go is El Junior. You better sit at Junior's, because that's That's about it. And Junior probably in with the Zetas, too. That's why he open. (laughs) Weak. Um, So she meets with a slim man with a clean-looking face, and she hears someone on his walkie-talkie call him by his name, Sama. Sama insists that the cartel does not have Karen, but offers to help her find Karen for a fee of $2,000. Mo money. Mo money. Okay. Mo problems. Right. When um and so Mrs. Rodriguez she didn't have anything else to lose so she pays this two thousand dollars to mm-hmm. Sama, mm-hmm. but after a week he stops answering her calls completely. Okay. But other people have still been calling saying that they have Karen and that they only need five hundred more dollars to return her. This has got to be so. My thing is how sick could you be like. This lady's daughter is missing, and you're calling and ex- extorting money out of her. I mean, and they're it. coming up with it, and she's not returning. Like, I can only she's imagine so desperate. how heartbroken, how tormented mm-hmm. she is. Because one of the things that I absolutely pray is that a child of mine does not come up missing, mm-hmm. and I never know what happened to them. Yeah. That has to be the absolute worst. Because as far as you know, they could be out there somewhere or they could be gone. Like, you just don't know. You don't know. Like, that is one of the most traumatic. Like, that would, at least with if you know they're dead, you can bury them, you can say bye, you Mm -hmm. know what happened. But at this point, she's gone on a year knowing nothing whether she's dead or alive. Yeah. That is just, oh, my God. And all of this money she's paying has to be giving her some sense of hope. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the article says, you know, it's just a, a little sense of hope that she's... That maybe that she maybe might walk through time. the door. This time she'll walk through the yeah, door. Yeah, this, this time, time I'll get time. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, wow. That's it's terrible. Yeah, that is terrible. Um, so Mrs. Rodriguez had separated from her husband and was living with her eldest daughter, Azalea. One morning, a few weeks after the last payment, she came downstairs and told Azalea that she knew Karen was never coming back and she was most likely dead. She said that she said it so matter-of-factly as though describing her sleep. Every day, Miriam's sadness hardened, hardened into revenge. So she lost her marriage. Mm-hmm. And she's living with her oldest daughter now. Yes. Wow. I do believe that... Um, her and her husband did get back together eventually, uh-huh. but it definitely seemed to take a deep toll on their marriage. There was They also said that um, her husband, once Karen went missing, uh-huh. he was a completely different person. He was very introverted. He was very quiet. He yeah. was a very loud, outgoing guy, but when Karen went missing, he just, all that drained. a piece of him is gone, and you don't know where it went. You don't know. Okay, that's... Wow, this is definitely life life changing for them. Absolutely. Definitely life changing. Yeah. 
So, Miriam okay. decides to track down Sama. So, she provided the mechanic with a description of Sama and confirms that he was there on the day of Karen's kidnapping. Miriam then takes to social media to track down Sama. Eventually, Miriam comes across a Facebook photo of Sama with a young girl. This girl had a logo of a local ice cream shop in Ciudad Victoria. So, Mrs. Rodriguez stalks the ice cream shop until she knows this girl's schedule by heart and waits for Sama to show up at the ice cream shop. She didn't quit the nanny job. I, look, I don't... The cowboy apparel shop is closed. Look here. They figuring that part out. But Miriam, she got other stuff to worry Miriam about. Miriam is on it. She said, I'm stalking. She got other stuff to worry about. I don't, Look, come on, Miriam. So she waited for Sam to show up, and he finally did. And so he was able to follow him to his home and get his address. Okay. But she knew that she needed more than just an address to take to the police. Right. So Miriam cut her hair dyed it bright red, put on an old government uniform from when she had worked at the health ministry and a fake ID badge, went around Sama's neighborhood pretending to be a polling person to gather information about Sama. This is straight out of a movie. <laughs> I told you. They're going to have to make this a movie. That Look... <laughs> This is going, yeah, they're going to have to make this. I believe they are making it into a movie. One of the, something I listened to, I think on YouTube said that they were working on making a movie out of this story. She comes with a whole disguise. Together information. The shop closed. She ain't doing no more nannying. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It's time to get on a mission to find Karen. (laughs) Mm -mm. Finding Karen. So they should name it. Mm-hmm. Once she's collected all of her information, even though she's gathered all this information, it still wasn't enough. Okay. She went to the state, local, and federal police, and they all shut the door in her face. Wow. Eventually, a federal, a federal policeman did offer to assist her. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, when she pulled her files onto the table, I had never seen anything like it. The details and the information gathered by this woman working all alone were incredible. Um, this officer did ask to remain anonymous because okay. he wasn't, you know, allowed to really speak on it. Uh, he, he, he in Zeta land. I, look, cause he in Zeta territory. You, be better, you better shut up. Any day. So, um, but sadly, by the time she did get an arrest warrant and she did get the police to help her, Sama had already skipped town. But Miriam decided to double down on her efforts and locate the other members of Sama's crew. During the course of the investigation, um, Sama showed up. <clears throat> no, sorry. That's okay. During the course of the investigation, Sama just showed up. On September 25th in 2014, um, Mrs. Rodriguez's son, Luis, was closing up his own shop. And he had one last customer who was looking at the hats. And so he went to look closer, and it was Sama. Mm-hmm. So he managed to call his mother, who of course called the police, and he managed to follow him out of the store until the police arrived without Sama realizing he was being followed. And when Sama was arrested in the central plaza, he kicked and screamed about having a heart condition. <laughs> okay. All right, Sama. <laughs> you got a heart condition. So, in custody, Sama spilled everything, providing the names and locations of his accomplices. 
Selma got the snitching. Got the snitching immediately. Oh, wow. He can't do no time. Yeah. He can't do no time. You done for. You done. <laughs> so one of these people that he gave up was 18-year-old Christian Gonzalez, who was young even for cartel standards. Okay. So he was 18 when he was picked up, but Karen was kidnapped in a year or so before. Well, she was kidnapped. It was a little over a year before. In 2013. Yeah, she was kidnapped in January of 2013. Right. So, it had been almost two years. So, that means that he was like 16, 17. At the time. Out here kidnapping folks. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. So, um, Christian seemed frightened during police questioning and even asked to speak to his mother at one point. Because he is 18. He's a kid. No, he's an adult and you can serve time. As a grown man. Well, Miriam didn't feel the same way. Okay. So, Miriam was at the police station Mm -hmm. um, with one of her friends. And while she was at the police station and she saw Christian was being interviewed, um, he told one of the investigators that he was hungry. And she heard heard that he had asked for his mom. Um, And so, Miriam then entered the room and gave him her lunch, which was a piece of fried chicken, and bought him a Coke. When the investigator asked what she had been thinking, she said, he's still a child, no matter what he did, and I am still a mother, Mrs. Rodriguez said. Um, when I heard him just now, it was like my own child. Aww, this woman is, I want to meet her. Right? This is, wow. And so Miriam's kindness does pay off. And Christian opened up the floodgates. He offered everything. And he even offered to take them where the bodies were buried. Oh, wow. So at an abandoned ranch at the end of a dirt road, a decrepit tractor marked where a grave was. There were bullet holes through the outside of the adobe house on the ranch and a noose that was hanging from a tree. There were bone fragments everywhere, some that were just mere shards. Eventually, Mrs. Rodriguez came across a pile of personal belongings that had belonged to the victims. A scarf that had belonged to Karen as well as a cushion from the family truck was near the top. Hmm. So, forensic agents claimed initially that Karen's body was not among those found at the site, but Miriam pushed them to look again and to retest the bones collected. Eventually, eventually they did locate a fragment of a femur that they identified to be belonging to Karen. Wow. So, Mm. on the drive back home from the ranch where... The bodies were found. Right. Miriam noticed a barbecue a barbecue restaurant that she and Azalea had eaten at just two days after Karen's disappearance. She remembered that on that day, the mm-hmm. two days after Karen's disappearance, she had seen a neighborhood uh, a neighborhood friend, Elvia Betancourt, okay, who was seated drinking a soda alone. Okay. okay. So, um, she had known Mrs. Betancourt ever since she was a child. Um, Elvia had been abandoned by her mom, who was a prostitute at a local brothel. Um, and Mrs. Rodriguez used to bring Elvia Karen's old clothes. Okay. So, Mrs. Rodriguez stopped to say hello and asked Elvia if she had heard anything about Karen, which at this point, two days after she had gone missing, everybody had heard she was missing. Right. But Elvia decided to play dumb. <laughs> And said, oh, no. 
<laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. Why she got on current t-shirt. Right. Okay. So this memory stuck out to Mrs. Rodriguez. It's odd as she was driving past the barbecue Because, I mean, you in the city of sin. How you not know? Uh, but I'm still on the mechanic. <laughs> But she was at that barbecue restaurant, and so she started thinking, what if she was watching the ranch to keep watch after they had kidnapped her daughter? Exactly. So she begins looking into Elvia's life and discovers that Elvia is in a relationship with one of the men responsible for Karen's death. Okay. Though he was in prison at the time for an unrelated crime. So, just as she had done with the ice cream shop, Miriam waits outside the prison until Elvia comes to visit her boyfriend. And as she's coming home from visiting her boyfriend, she is arrested. And it is later found that some of the ransom calls made to Mrs. Rodriguez's house came from Elvia's phone. While she wearing Karen's clothes. Because this woman was nice enough to give you the old clothes. And you... Mm-hmm. And you making ransom calls. In, in current shirt. <laughs> you know what, people are just... Okay, keep going. <laughs> so, so some of the culprits were in jail. Others were dead. But the ones that were on the street were free game. Including born-again Christian Enrique Flores, um, who lived in the town of Aldama. Okay. So, Miriam goes to the town of Aldama, which has a, po- a population of about 13,000 people. Okay. Um, she befriends Enrique's grandmother, who okay. tells her that the church that Enrique now works at. So, naturally, Miriam starts attending services, and when she spots him, she's able to hold him at gunpoint until officers arrive. As she's waiting for the police to arrive, one of the members of the church asked Miriam to please have mercy on him. Where was his compassion when they killed my daughter, she replied. This Miss Rodriguez Martinez, okay? (laughs) Miss Rodriguez Martinez, girl. I got to meet meet her. I got to meet her, baby. Because she is on a mission. She She is camping out barbecue spots, ice cream joints, and churches all over. She not done. Tabalupas. She not done. She not done? Oh, wow. So, Miriam was then able, was also able to track down another former member of the gang. Um, I wasn't able to find his name. Okay. Um, but... She got a tip from a widow that he was selling flowers on the bridge to Texas. So, when Miriam gets this tip, she puts on her trench coat over her pajamas, throws on a hat, puts her gun in her purse, and goes to find him. On the bridge, she scoured the vendors for flower carts, but that day, he was selling sunglasses instead. She finally found him, and she got too excited and too close, and he recognized her, and he ran. He sprinted along the narrow narrow pedestrian pathways, hoping to get away, Mrs. Rodriguez, at 56 years old, grabbed him by the shirt, wrestled him to the rails, and jammed her gun into his back. If you move, I'll shoot you, she told him, according to family members. Um, Mrs. Rod, she held him there for nearly an hour, waiting for police to arrest him. Girl, (laughs) my mouth is over her just open. A gape. (laughs) What? 
she wrestles him to the ground, holds him at gunpoint for an hour. To the oh baby, she in the gym. Mm -hmm. She in the gym. She she thinking about working it up. Period. She oh yes. Okay, keep going. Yep. Um, okay, so like I mentioned before, um, Mrs. Rodriguez's husband was definitely different after right. Karen vanished. Um, like I said, he was once very lively, once very energetic, very uh, extroverted. Um, but then when Karen left, he stopped leaving the home. He started to shrink physically until he just kind of, like his family didn't even recognize him. Like he, he was, got physically sick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But for Mrs. Rodriguez... Her pursuit of justice was an escape for the pain, but it came with a price. Okay. So her public campaign threatened more than just a few kidnappers. She threatened the order of things in San Fernando. Like, okay. yeah, like they've been getting away with this. They've been doing this. Ain't nobody been saying nothing. Mm-hmm. And here you come trying to put folks in jail. But it had to happen to your child, though. Exactly. Oh, let me shut up. Okay. <laughs> so her friends wondered if she was going too far. Um, She said... I don't care if they kill me. I died the day that they killed my daughter. I want to end this. I'm going to take out the people who hurt my daughter and they can do whatever they want to me. So in March two no. In March of twenty seventeen, okay. sorry. Nearly two dozen prisoners escaped from a penitentiary in Ciudad Victoria where Mrs. Rodriguez's efforts had helped put away her daughter's killer. Killers. The police were able to recapture 10 of the escapees by 9 a.m. the next morning. Um, but they weren't able to catch everybody. I don't know. 200? How do 200 people leave a prison? No, two dozen. Oh, two dozen? Two dozen. I thought you said 200. No, two dozen. I'm like, wait a minute. Somebody left the gate open. <laughs> okay? Because right. this is not you what? Mark out. You said there you go. Have okay, fun. so two dozens. They get 10 back, so there's two still missing. You said a dozen is 12. Right. They find 10 mm-hmm. and two missing still. Two missing plus a dozen. I'm confused. <laughs> How is many my math dozen? off? What is what? You s- oh two dozen. Two dozen. Ah, okay. So I, okay, yeah, my math was off, guys. I, my bad. My bad. My bad. You right. You right. You right. I believe this is the podcast. Yeah, leave it in the box. I don't look. I ain't scared. Okay, so <clears throat> so worried. Um, Mrs. Rodriguez then asked for protection from the government because they're. People that are escaped. Right. Um, so the police said that they would send periodic patrols by her home and by her work. Um, her family wasn't satisfied with that, but Miriam wasn't. She was doing other things. And she ain't um, never escaped. She ain't worried about it. Right. And so she had been hunting another suspect on her list. Mm-hmm. A young woman who left the cartel to be a live-in nanny in Ciudad. Um, true to form, Mrs. Rodriguez spent days parked near the family's home waiting for the young woman to emerge. She urinated in cups and ran her battery down listening to the radio in the dark. Her son Luis said that he had to sneak onto the street and quietly give her a jump. <laughs> wow. this She is dedicated. That's for sure. Yeah. And so as the young woman was being arrested after she finally emerged... Um, Miriam tripped and broke her foot as she was running to the scene. Um, and so she was in a cast. Okay. A month later, on Mother's Day, May 10th of 2017, 
at 10.21 p.m., Miriam headed home from work and slowly made her way from her truck parked on the street to the door. A white Nissan truck carrying some of the escaped prisoners pulled up behind her and fired 13 rounds into Miriam. Her husband, who was just inside of the house, comes outside to see Miriam face down with her hand in her purse, reaching for her gun. Right. Oh, wow. Um, no, Miriam. Yeah. Uh, sadly, that was that was the end of Miriam. Um, in the months following Miriam's death, police were able to arrest two of the hitmen responsible for Miriam's death. Um, the last guy put up a fight and was ultimately gunned down by police. Um... But that doesn't mean that Miriam was done. Just because she was gone don't mean that she was done. What? In June of that same year, 2017, officials in the state of Veracruz were able to make another arrest using the information Miriam had gathered about a young woman who had fled to San Fernando, who had fled San Fernando, sorry, and was driving a taxi to support her son. Um, this woman had been responsible for beating and torturing Karen during her kidnapping. Mm. beyond the grave she's still taking people down um so miriam's son has picked up where his mom has left off but tries not to make the same mistakes as his mother did helping um other families to find their missing loved ones rather than focusing on punishing the cartel members he and his family focus on having their loved ones return to them there is a bronze plaque dedicated to Miriam in the city's center plaza in San Fernando. Um, and all in all, Miriam was responsible for the arrest of 10 cartel members for the death of her daughter. And that is the story of Miriam, the woman who stalked her daughter's killers across Mexico one by one. I wanted to meet her. I know. Aww. I know. And they gunned her down because she was doing she was doing some amazing work here. Yeah, like this is like she had to have sold the shop. <laughs> I'm not nannying no more. You know, I don't know if she's her sold the daughter shop. Zelda or Zelia mm-hmm. was probably taking care of her. Her yeah, son was she probably was getting it done. She, she said, was getting it done. Do I can't like, just sit here and let this happen. Like, you don't know what's going to happen <laughs> until it happens. Yeah. You know, like I said, I don't know, you know, how far I'll go mm-hmm. until it happens. You think you would chase somebody across the Mexico-Texas border? <sighs> you know what? I don't know. And it's not that I don't love you guys or I don't want, you know, I don't want to, I don't want your death avenge if it was a kidnapping or something of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd have to think about what you would want me to do. Yeah. Right. So let's think about would Karen have wanted her mom to do all of that and end up dead herself. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So That's this is a true. great conversation. You want me to avenge your death if somebody tried, if somebody killed you? I mean, I have friends who say that they're gonna do that for me, but you know they. Girl, you know what? We'll be a look. I pray, and hopefully that's not the fate, right? Yeah. But if they get me, they pick the wrong one. Okay, y'all gonna find them. I'm gonna make sure of it. 
I'm gonna leave breadcrumb. I have a folder in my phone called "If I Go Missing." Yeah, you're pretty. You're pretty secure. Yeah, yeah, because you do a lot of true crime podcasts. So you mess with me, you got the right one today. Yeah, but it also <laughs> makes her a little scary, guys. Okay, because she okay, just you know, just a little bit, just a little bit. You know, I would rather freak out and it be nothing than not freak out and it's something. It's something. Okay, I mean, I I, I feel you, I but. Know. You be freaking out sometimes, and I think it's because of these true crime podcasts you be watching and listening to. I mean, maybe. But I do want to say that I did get this story from a true crime podcast um, from My Favorite Murder. I originally heard this um, story on My Favorite Murder, if you want to check that out, told by Karen. I also listened to the episode of The Vanished um, on Miriam Rodriguez. That was really good as well. And a lot of my information I did get from Wikipedia as well as the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. I will leave a link to the New York Times link that I used in the description of this podcast because it's a really, really good article. Okay, great, great. And I just think it's important to think about what you would do. What mm-hmm. would you want me to do? Yeah. So if the tables were turned, would you avenge my death? Would you avenge? Would you scour the earth? Would I scour the earth? I would like to think that I would. Yeah. But let's look at Miriam's life after her daughter. It, it became about getting them. Yeah. Like she literally was obsessed. And I get it because no one else was going to bat. Mm-hmm. But this had been happening, 250,000 people had already died. Yeah. 37,000 had already become missing. And you open it up a, a cowboy. A pearl shop. A pearl shop. Mm-hmm. When this was in you all along, but it took your daughter's life. Mm. To make it happen. And then it then in turn takes your son's life. To where, you know what, I'm not trying, which he takes it a step further. And I like the what, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, look, cartel, we got it, okay? Because we want peace here. We want people back alive. My sister didn't come back alive. I want you, these people back alive. Right. Like, that I can get. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But this just, oh my. The corruption in the world is mind-boggling. It is it's so... Crazy. It is really, really mind-boggling. And dis- and, and I, I can't even sometimes wrap my mind around Yeah. It's hard to think about because it's so, like, it's literally so deeply embedded in every single thing that we do. Like, everything. Politics. All of it. Entertainment. Politics. Sports. Entertainment. Sports. I can't even think of it. Corporations. Corporations. Yeah, like, it's just the the level of corruption and the lengths with people would go through. It's just, oh my God, which is a lot of the reason why I do what I do because I was brainwashed. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I feel like I was brainwashed for many, 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 many years mm-hmm. to the point where I thought I needed the husband and the kids and the house and the... And the job that you were making the money and the nice cars and you travel. And that was the American dream. But I, as I got mm-hmm. older and living my life, and of course things not turning out the way they that I would like Quote them to turn out. supposed to. Or supposed to, right? You have to define success for yourself. Yeah. 
you know yeah. so and i think that that i think that miriam and her family that's what they were trying to do in tamalipas they were like yeah. this is because at the end of the day like people do that all the time they'll stay in a place they know it's not safe they know it's not the best place to be but it's their home and yeah. so they were trying to just live in their home and make the best out of their lives in their city yeah so so you just got to define that success for yourself so mm-hmm. you know kudos to karen's brother miriam's son for just really continuing the work because i'm quite sure by now he has a family mm-hmm. you know that has to that, that is relying on him and looking to him as he's helping you know other people other people get away but that is absolutely remarkable yeah. like that's straight out of a movie i told you yeah this yeah miriam rodriguez martinez mm-hmm yeah, she's about to be a household name as soon as they get that, let that movie drop. This was absolutely amazing. But, again, what would you do, mom, daughter, to avenge your mother? Would you avenge? You know, some people be glad they gone. Right. Some people have saved up. Oh! But we wanted an actual story, a true crime story that was... That talks about a mother's resilience mm-hmm. and what she can do for her daughter. And I imagine just knowing that that was in her. Mm-hmm. What's in you as a mom? Like, what are you willing to do as a mom? Right. Right? For me, I was willing to tell the truth about my crap. And sometimes it's all the time. Because I had kids watching me. Yeah. And if I'm lying, they gonna lie. Yeah. And I'm tired of the lies. I grew up with lies. Yeah, my whole life was a lie. <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh, until I turned around and said, you know what? I'm just going to stand in my truth. Right. Excellent story. I love that. Thanks. Tapalupas. How you pronounce it? Tamalupas. Tamalupas. Mexico. Y'all better stay away from there, please. <laughs> that's, that's, we're going to end that out with a warning. This has been a Daughter's Dilemma podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, it is a daughter's dilemma at gmail.com. Drop us a line, send us an email. What topic would you like to hear? Send us a letter. You want some advice? We can talk about that too. Follow us on Instagram at a daughter's dilemma. And I am Nefra, the mother. And I'm Rodnik, the daughter. And remember that every woman is someone's daughter. And remember that every daughter can be an excellent mother. Until next time.